Oh, have you seen the Mario movie yet? No, I've heard it's good, but I don't know if I could get past Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt? Okay, yeah. that's fair. Have you seen it? No, not yet, but uh, my sister wants to go see it, and I've been thinking about going to see it with her. Uh, Before that on my list is the D&D movie. Still have not oh, seen it yet. Oh, go see the D&D yeah. movie. It's so good. We need to. I keep seeing that so much hype about it. a 10 out of 10 it. movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so different Chris in it. I hate that you said it right before we started recording, but you're adequately blasted now. Yes, I have my Baja blast. I am. For those of you who don't know, which is everyone, because it was just me and Tori in the call. Don't know why I had to mention that. Uh, I had just gotten Taco Bell by the time it was uh, time for us to record. So Tori was just sitting there as I'm just Watching munching Paul on these tacos, eat some trying Taco Bell. to. I didn't intend to get the tacos. It just kind of happened. They just kind of fell into the bag, you know? I don't know what you're expecting. Go to Taco Bell and only get a Baja Blast. Have you done that before? Uh, Only gotten a drink? (laughs) I have only gotten a drink at, like, McDonald's and uh, Taco Bell, yeah. Wow. Because Baja Blast and McDonald's Coke Mm -hmm. just hit different. Because they put cocaine in that Coke. It's so fucking good. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> McDonald's Coke and McDonald's Sprite are just on a whole nother level. They did a People sci- say the Diet Coke too, but I just don't like Diet Coke. They drinks. did a scientific study on why it's better. What was it? It has something to do with uh, how they're poured or distributed in McDonald's. Like, they're bigger cases that are specifically oh. for McDonald's. And they go through, like, a different kind of oxygenation levels i think it is because they have like a special deal with the coca-cola company yeah that they get this kind of special type of coke mm-hmm. and it's and only mcdonald's gets it in that kind of yeah. pack. so oh, it's so good though. yeah that pack with cocaine nothing, nothing beats it even even mexican coke i'm sorry mexican coke mm, hot takes sorry mexican coke. that reminds that reminds me of our uh carbonated milk that we're gonna have when you are here oh so soon <laughs> i swear if you guys show up to help us unpack on that day and you bring fucking carbonated milk i'm gonna be like no we don't need your help go away uh... the day but yes the day of reckoning is slowly drying nigh i shall soon be in la oh god and i'm gonna talk like this and Angela. Yeah, I'm from the West Coast. I don't think yeah. I could listen. I think you have to, be, to stop I the podcast to, if you talk like that. I need to be chewing gum while I'm doing it, too. <laughs> yeah, I'm totally from the West Coast. My dad, uh, he owns Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> That's all what we always joke about, Shane. Wow, this is the second podcast I've brought Shane up. Two for two Hi, in Shane. a <laughs> Call her Mrs. Love Hollywood ya. because... Her, Mrs. Hollywood. Her parents own Hollywood as well. Oh, congratulations. You should use that voice when we go watch the Barbie movie. Oh, uh, totally. <laughs> uh, totally, kind of. I'm not I'm, I'm not even going to dress like Ken. I'm going straight for the Barbie You look. should! Which Barbie would you Oh my need? god. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> douchebag Barbie. <laughs> no, it is, it's Malibu Barbie. It'd just oh, be yeah. Malibu Barbie, there wouldn't it? There you go. It? Yep. Mm-hmm. Because my parents are on Hollywood. <laughs> the entire Hollywood. 
See that sign? It's my sign. It's the Hollywood sign. So now it sounds like really Hollywood Barbie. I'm, Is there a Hollywood Barbie? I'm I'm Andrea Hollywood, and my family owns Hollywood. I'm looking it up right now. Hollywood, Hollywood Barbie. Barbie to see what kind of outfit you're gonna wear. Hollywood Barbie. I don't know. I, I imagine Hollywood Barbie would wear something really '90s, like it just screams '90s. Yeah. Kind of got that right. It's giving like it's kind of giving Prince vibes. Prince really? or like uh send send it over. I I need to see this. Or who's the guy that had like puffy pants? MC Hammer. Puffy pants. MC Hammer. Okay. Okay, now I gotta just show you what this is. Let's see if Yeah, it's... you gotta send me Hey guys, welcome to the Barbie podcast where we talk about all things Barbie. Today we're t- we're covering Hollywood Barbie. Miss Hollywood. It is giving 90s hip-hop music video. Oh my god, she does. It comes with a... Not even 90s necessarily, 80s with those like spandex tights. And a clear mist makes magic hair turn pink. My goodness. There you go, there's your outfit. Hollywood Barbie. Hollywood Barbie. They did. <laughs> Clear mist makes magic hair turn pink. Oh, I bet she has pronouns. <laughs> <laughs> and good for her. Good for her. Oh, uh, maybe her Hollywood Barbie's her a pronouns are bad, bitch. Hundred percent, as Lizzo would say. Hundred percent. I'm really excited for uh, uh, to go see Barbie, and then immediately still in my Technicolor. Uh, dream coat of an outfit uh, go in and watch Oppenheimer immediately because they both come out the same day. What is Oppenheimer? It's about, it's a really like dark and depressing movie oh, about the guy gosh. who helped invent the atomic bomb. Oh no! Just <laughs> double again, feature, it's that's also, the second one. It's also got like a star-studded cast, like there are so many that's... celebrities in that one just like there are so many celebrities in the Barbie movie. Wow, hot release date. Yeah. June 21st, I think, is the date. Or July. Or July. Oh, July, I think. I think it's a mid-summer More time film. to find your outfit. Oh, yeah, definitely, because I have barely anything properly Technicolor. <laughs> I think I need, I think I need, like, bright neon shorts of some kind. Mm-hmm. Uh, bright neon shoes and socks. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I, like, I, like a, like a turquoise, uh, like, uh, not singlet, <laughs> uh, a turquoise um Whoa. tank top. Yeah. Uh, and then over it, like a pink button-up shirt, basically. Hell yeah, it's a vibe. Hell yeah, and then I might just wear that all the time. That's in yeah, that's just a bisexual vibe. <laughs> that's just I'm uh, you. You go down to the beach, and there I am, rollerblading away. <laughs> That'll be my job. I just rollerblade up and down the uh, the beaches of Los Angeles. That's what we did on Saturday. It was a good time. I saw. Yeah, look at you having fun. And here <laughs> I am. Here. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be here so soon, false. Look at you having close friends doing fun activities. That's with not them. me. That's not me. <laughs> Points at your friends on their bikes. That's not me. How fucking dare you? <laughs> 
Uh. <laughs> you're, like, you're like, oh, we can't help you uh, move around then. We're going camping. And I'm just like, without me? You have friends that aren't me? Fuck you. Oh, uh. goodness. <laughs> Do you know who I am? My parents own Hollywood. <laughs> I just need to lie about that all the time when I'm in LA. When people are like, oh, where are you from? I'm like, ah, uh, yeah, I'm from Hollywood. My parents own Hollywood. If you wear that <laughs> outfit, people will believe you. I just want so many people like in a club to go up to you and be like, he's kind of a dick. And you should be like, yeah, but his parents own Hollywood. so <laughs> He's allowed to be a dick. Are you sure? Yeah, his last name is Hollywood. They call him Paul. They call Actually, him Paul Hollywood. Hollywood. You know where Hollywood got his name from? The Hollywoods. Got you know if I ever you know how actors sometimes just change their name to be in the Actors Guild and everything like how Matt Mercer's real name isn't actually Matt Mercer. What is it? It's Matt's his last. I forget his last name is something. I never knew that. Oh, Miller. His name is Matt Miller. Matt Miller. So yeah, that uh, when I moved to LA, I'll just tell everyone my name's Paul Hollywood. <laughs> How's it going? <laughs> just become the most insufferable douchebag oh, anyone's ever met. Oh god! Immediately going back on my promise to Finn that we'll, I'll like we'll keep our Midwest vibes going hard. <laughs> then I immediately just sell out. Anyway, enough of this gay banter. <laughs> uh, Even though that's what the people come for. Yes, even though that is our number one draw. <laughs> um, in the meantime, I guess we could talk about Lord of the Rings. On brand, before we cut into intro and get into this chapter, A Journey in the Dark. Yeah. Um, I have learned a way to say Starfucker in Elven, which is a very important caveat that I needed Ooh. to know. So, Puitha means to fuck. Puithor means fucker. And then L is star, so add it together, and second word of a compound is subject to lenition. I don't know what that means. So the consonant shifts. Starfucker turns into Elbuithor. 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 Now you need to get that uh, translated into Tengwar, the Elvish script, and get a tattoo with that. <laughs> wow, is this our next merch drop? Next, like we already have. Someone asks what it means, and you aren't like very close with them. You could just say it means star lover, because technically, technically it is. Technically, important note. Very important. Yeah. These of this. Well, this has been Elvish lessons with Tori. Thanks for stopping by. I don't think we've had one of those. No, it's usually been me who's been doing Elvish lessons. You taught me something today. Teaching you the important stuff, like how to the say star student, The student has become the teacher. <laughs> tee-hee. Uh, all right. And with what? that... Did you just say tee-hee? <laughs> Give us the countdown, Paul. Oh, in three, two, one.
Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of The Silly Marillion. I am your host, soon-to-be Hollywood star, Paul, bringing all my Tolkien knowledge and packing it up bit by bit in my suitcases to move out west to become a big star. And with me, of course, is already Hollywood's darling, Tori. Hello, Tori. Hello, Paul Hollywood. Nice to meet you. Thank you for having me on this podcast. Oh, but of course. <laughs> After all, you know my parents own Hollywood, so I'm glad you could be here. And as the darling of Hollywood, I don't really spend my time too much guesting on podcasts, but for you, I had to do it. Well, what can I say? There's there's benefits to being a Nepo baby. <laughs> uh, so... <laughs> Glad everyone could join us. <laughs> Hope you're having a lovely week. Hello. Today we are uh, continuing our foray with Fellowship of the Ring by doing a journey in the dark. Journey in the dark. And again, this like a lot like the book really ramps up after Rivendell. Yeah. I know we've said it before. Not much happens up until Rivendell, and now like chapter after chapter is being filled with like things that are happening. Mm-hmm. And it took us a solid like. 350 pages before a fellowship was even formed even created so, yeah again there again to the juicy bits so last time on glee uh all you really need to know is the fellowship headed south from rivendell and originally they were going to go through the gap of rohan but soon discovered with crowbine uh which are these massive crows that live in fangor forest near isengard uh, that Saruman might be tracking them, and the Gap of Rohan would be very dangerous for them to cross. Mm-hmm. So instead, they made for the Redhorn Gate, which is essentially this mountain pass over the Misty Mountains that would take them uh, over towards the east. However, uh, the mountain was very angry and didn't want them there. Angry mountain. It was a very ang- angry mountain. It was snowing sideways. Mountain, drop snow on their asses like it was California this year. And uh and like yeah, Angelos, yeah. they couldn't handle it, so they decided to turn around. Yeah, like like Los Angeles, they couldn't handle actual weather. So they turned around I think basically, that's where we are. We're defeated by a defeated by the mountain. Yeah. So we pick up with them being despondent and not really <laughs> knowing what to do. And Frodo basically saying i wish i was in rivendell but i can't go back because that will just mean defeat and i I, I just be too shameful i can't do it which is true they haven't been gone for terribly long and just to turn back with like they're like a few weeks yeah their tails like tucked under them the little hobbit tails tucked under their legs Exactly. Could it make it past and the Gandalf's mountains? Like, Gandalf goes, yes, but also more important, if we turn back now, we basically accept failure completely because eventually Sauron will defeat everything and yeah. take the ring by force. It, so. it was like, he'll just take over Rivendell, he'll have the ring, Middle-earth is mm. destroyed, the end! There are no other books in the series, that's all, folks. So essentially, the, turning back is not an option. Mm-hmm. They simply have to find a new way round. And Gandalf says... I I know one way, but Aragorn said that way fucking sucks, and he said we shouldn't use it. And like Aragorn's nodding along, like yes, that place that is, that way does suck. And Gandalf's like, but we have no other option. We should go through the mines of Moria, 
And everyone's like, oh, except Gimli, who's like, ooh. <laughs> Moria, you say? I love Aragorn's quote of, the road may lead to Moria, but how can we hope that it will lead through Moria? Good point, Aragorn. Exactly. Good point. Because no one's mm, and, gone through this. And Boromir agrees. Yeah. And Boromir's like, we don't necessarily need to take the gap of Rohan. We could just keep heading south and go the long way through, like, uh, Western Gondor, which is basically like empty lands, barely anyone lives there. Mm-hmm. But he's like, hey, we could still we'd get there, and then at least we'd have Gondor at our backs, and we'd be able to protect ourselves. Uh, but Gandalf's like, yeah, but things might have changed since you came north. Yeah, and we can't take too long, so we can't go the long way around Gondor. Essentially, we have to take a road the enemy would not think we'd take. And that's why we should take the road through Moria. Because no one wants to take that road. They wouldn't dare take mm-hmm. that road. No one would ever want to take that road. Therefore. And Boromir's like, and Boromir's like, yeah, well, we might as well... He and like Gandalf really butt heads in this mm. chapter because Boromir's like, yeah, but no, that's like about as dangerous as like knocking on the doors of the Dark Tower itself. And Gandalf's like, shut up, bitch! I went to Dol Guldor. I know it's dangerous. Fuck you. <laughs> and he and Gandalf even goes, but hey, maybe uh, the dwarves that Gloin told us about, Balin and his kindred, could be they're still in Moria and they're just working away, and it could just be perfectly safe. And it all could be fine. And they they it left could all for be that fine. like didn't they say thirty years ago? Decades ago, yeah, decades ago, and they lost contact with them. And it's but like, that's are you sure it. about that? They're probably fine. Are you sure they just haven't had Wi-Fi in a while, Gandalf? <laughs> are you sure that's the problem? Maybe they just gave up social media and they haven't posted on Twitter in a while. Does it anyone have their number? They moved over. They moved over to Instagram. Yeah. Mostly. <laughs> check the Tumblr blogs. Uh, check yeah. Check check their Tumblr. You know how hard it is to find mutuals there. on Tumblr. That's probably why you haven't found them in decades. Oh god. Check the right. tags. It is hard to find mutuals on Tumblr. Uh, Gimli's like, hey, I'll come with you. I don't really want to go to Moria, and Gimli's like, cool, cool. Uh, anyone else want to come? And Aragorn's a lot. Basically, everyone says we don't want to go to Moria, but we but kinda we have to. I love this line too, with Aragorn being like, "You followed my lead, almost to disaster in the snow, and have said no word of blame," which I think just really shows to Gandalf's character of we almost died. I'm not going to blame you. And it's for that reason that Aragorn is like, all right, I will go with you through Moria. Yeah. He, he, Aragorn has this, basically everyone in the company has this innate trust in Gandalf, except for Boromir. I will not go. I will not go unless everyone votes against me. And then Legolas is like, I don't want to go. Mm-hmm. And as they're still discussing... They get attacked by wolves. Yay! Wargs. Wargs. The wild wolves of Rovanion have crossed the mountains, and they are now in Eregion, making things extra super dangerous. I feel like this is their first actual battle. It's their first real battle as the Fellowship, basically. 
and we get to kind of see what the um what everyone's skill set is. <laughs> you have Gandalf who uses a lot of fire basically. He's got mm. a bunch of fire spells. You got Legolas who's a peerless bowman. And then you got Boromir and Aragorn using their swords. I don't know if Gimli is mentioned with his axe. Yeah. Gimli stood with his stout legs apart wielding his Gorfax. Oh, yeah, there he is. Yeah. And then the hobbits had Frodo their had little, sting their daggers. Yeah. And the other hobbits have their uh their swords that they got from the barrow that Tom Bombadil gave them. Oh yeah. And then Gandalf cries Nar. <laughs> Oh, no! <laughs> Gandalf turns Australian for, like, a hot second. Did you know Gandalf oh, made Nar happen? Nar. Nar in Edrath Eman. Nar dan in Nagarhoth. In a roar and a crackle, he casts Fireball. <laughs> he does cast Fireball, <laughs> basically. The whole hill was crowned with dazzling light. The swords and knives of the defenders shone and flickered. The last arrow of Legolas kindled in the air as it flew and plunged burning into the heart of a great wolf chieftain. Fucking badass. Mm -hmm. It's a burning arrow and it goes right into this wolf's heart. Nope. Of the wolf chieftain, too. So then they defeat the wargs. First successful battle. No one dies. Yet. And basically that forces their hand because now they realize there are there are huge packs of wargs now roaming Eregion and they aren't just simple simple wolves looking for an easy meal these are creatures hell bent on attacking the fellowship mm-hmm. so they got to get to cover real fast they got to make a move so they start hurrying back towards the mountains to basically try and find the entrance of Moria yeah, they, they basically get there, and many things have changed with the entrance of Moria. It used to be that there was a little dell in front of the doors with a stream that ran through it. However, the stream has since been blocked up, and a kind of dark, icky pool has formed Sounds gross. near the entrance of Moria. Oh yeah, no, it's it's very gross. This doesn't look sanitary it's, to me. It's gross. It looks very gross when you're in Lord of the Rings online and you just <laughs> look at it and you're just like, and to get to Moria, you have to step through the water at different Ew. places and you're just like, Ew, <laughs> touch. There you have the LA River. Yeah. <laughs> None of the company, I guess, will wish to swim this gloomy water at the end of the day. It has an unwholesome look. Well said. Oh, and they also... um. They break Sam's heart so early by saying, "Yeah, that oh, and broke we can't my heart bring too." The pony into the mines. Gandalf, yeah, Gandalf says this to Frodo first, and Frodo immediately was like, "Poor Sam." I had not thought of that. Poor Sam. I wonder what he will say. Yeah. I am sorry," said Gandalf. "Poor Bill has been a useful companion, and it goes to my heart to turn him adrift. Now, I would have traveled lighter and brought no animal, least of all this one that Sam is fond of. If I had my way." I feared all along that we should be obliged to take this road. So they finally get to this uh, sheer cliff face, essentially, on the mountains. And they have to to find it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because famously, as we learn in The Hobbit, a lot of dwarf doors are secret. And they're cool Um, as fuck. And they're cool (laughs) as fuck. 
and it makes sense because the door in the Lonely Mountain was a secret entrance mm-hmm. that could only be used by the dwarves. The West Gate of Moria is kind of like the back door of Moria because the main gate of Moria faces east. It's on the other side of the mountains. When it was first founded, Moria didn't go all the way across the mountains. They had to it make it go. It was just like a cave system. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they only made it really because they had befriended the elves of Aregion, essentially. Which is so cute. And like, they made a doorway of... for their friends. Yeah, the yeah. doors and elves just being pals. Yeah. You ever make a doorway specifically for your other friends? <laughs> I'll make one so you don't have to fight, honey. Just for you. <laughs> a secret way where honey can't knock you out. A secret way, yeah. <laughs> so I don't get killed by your fucking dog. <laughs> uh, and also while they're looking and... for this door, the lake is like bubbling and kind of being creepy. Like, there's yeah, something being... living under there, but they haven't seen it yet. It's very eerie looking. And also there's that moment when uh, Gandalf is talking about how there was such friendship between the uh, elves and dwarves at the time. And Gimli basically goes, well, it wasn't our fault that the friendship stopped. And Legolas was is like, well, I, I don't think it was the fault of the elves. And Gandalf goes, I have heard that it was both your fucking faults. So both shut of up. you, shut up. I I love uh, that little scene. Legolas hasn't really said much here so far, but I love this little scene because I can see the ship a little bit, like the little the the rival races. It's rivals to rivals to lovers. Yeah, it's given Romeo and Juliet. It's given West Side Story. <laughs> enemies to lovers rivals to lovers and it's around this time that they break the news to Sam that they have to let leave Bill and poor Sam mm-hmm. but you can't leave poor old Bill behind in this forsaken place Mr. Gandalf I won't have it and that's flat after he's come so far and all I'm sorry Sam said the wizard when the door opens I do not think you'll be able to drag your Bill inside into the long dark of Moria you will have to choose between Bill and your master. He'd follow Mr. Frodo into a dragon's den if I let him, protested Sam. It'd be nothing short of murder to turn him loose with all these wolves about. It will be short of murder, I hope, said Gandalf. He laid his hand on the pony's head and spoke in a low voice. Go with words of guard and guiding on you, he said. You are a wise beast and have learned much in Rivendell. Make your ways to places where you can find grass, and so come in time to Elrond's house, or wherever you wish to go. There, Sam. You'll have quite as much chance of escaping wolves and getting home as we have. I hope he does. I I love this kind of theory that Gandalf doesn't actually have a spell to cast on Bill. He just kind of gives the appearance that he's giving a spell just to make, him to make feel Sam feel better. Yeah. To make Sam and the readers feel better. Basically. <laughs> Fun fact, in Lord of the Rings Online, there is an entire quest line of you helping Bill uh, get back to Rivendell. Aww. Which means he successfully makes it back. Happy yep. and healthy. Oh. So they take some time to unpack Bill and kind of take what they need, sort it up, and what they can mm-hmm. carry. All the while, Gimli and Gandalf are kind of walking along the cliffs, kind of trying to find the gate. I'm imagining them like two dads with their hands on their hips, 
like going to a new campsite. Oh my god, and it like really looking is. Around. Yeah, they're both in cargo shorts. Yeah, kicking some rocks, <laughs> like knocking on the cave door. Their keys are jingling yeah. as they're walking along. Yeah, <laughs> kicking, kicking like a stump. <laughs> like, oh, that's good wood right there. <laughs> and eventually, they do find the door. And what a pretty drawing wanna... this is. It is. Tolkien drew uh, what the door looks like when it's revealed. It's quite lovely. He popped off. Popping off. The moon now shone upon the gray face of the rock, but they could see nothing else for a while. Then slowly on the surface, where the wizard's hands had passed, faint lines appeared, like slender veins of silver running in the stone. At first they were no more than pale gossamer threads, so fine that they only twinkled fitfully where the moon caught them but steadily they grew broader and clearer until their design could be guessed. At the top, as high as Gandalf could reach, was an arch of interlacing letters in an elvish character. Below, through the threads, where in places blurred or broken, the outline could be seen of an anvil and a hammer surmounted by a crown with seven stars. Beneath these again were two trees, each bearing crescent moons. More clearly than all else, there shone forth in the middle of the door a single star with many rays. There are the emblems of Durin, cried Gimli. And there is the tree of the High Elves, said Legolas. And the star of the house of Feanor, said Gandalf. They are wrought with a thielding that mirrors only starlight and moonlight, and sleeps until it is touched by one who speaks words now long forgotten in Middle-earth. It is long since I heard them, and I thought deeply before I could recall them in my mind. What does the writing say? asked Frodo, who was trying to decipher the inscription on the arch. I thought I knew the elf letters, but I cannot read these. The words are in the elven tongue of the west of Middle-earth in the elder days, answered Gandalf. But they do not say anything of importance to us. They say only, The doors of Durin, lord of Moria, speak friend and enter. And underneath, small and faint, is written, I, Navi, made them... Celebrimbor of Holland drew these signs. What does it mean by speak friend and enter? Asked Mary. That is plain enough, said Gimli. If you are a friend, speak the password and the doors will open and you can enter. Yes, said Gandalf. Those doors are probably governed by words. Some dwarf gates will only open at special times or for particular persons. And some have locks and keys that are still needed when all necessary times and words are known. These doors have no key. In the days of Durin, they were not secret. They usually stood open, and door wards sat here. But if they were shut, any who knew the opening word could speak it and pass in. At least so it is recorded. Is it not, Gimli? It is, said the dwarf. But what the word was is not remembered. Narvi and his craft and all his kindred have vanished from the earth. But do you know the word, Gandalf? Asked Boromir in surprise. No, said the wizard. The others looked dismayed. Only Aragorn, who knew Gandalf well, remained silent and unmoved. Then what was the use of bringing us to this accursed spot? Cried Boromir, glancing back with a shudder at the dark water. You told us you had once passed through the mines. How could that be if you did not know how to enter? Answer to your first question, Boromir, said the wizard. 
is that I do not know the word yet. We shall soon see. And... He added, with a glint in his eyes under their bristling brows. You may ask what is the use of my deeds when they are proved useless. As for your other questions, do you doubt my tale? Or have you no wits left? I did not enter this way. I came from the east. If you wish to know, I will tell you that these doors open outwards. From the inside, you may thrust them open with your hands. From the outside, nothing will move them save a spell of command. They cannot be forced inwards. What are you going to do, then? asked Pippin, undaunted by the wizard's bristling brows. Lock on the doors with your head, Peregrine Took, said Gandalf. And if that does not shatter them, and I'm allowed a little peace from foolish questions, I will seek for the opening words. I once knew every spell in the tongues of elves or men or orcs that was ever used for such a purpose. I can still remember ten score of them without searching in my mind, but only a few trials, I think, will be needed. I shall not have to call on Gimli for words of the secret dwarf tongue that they teach to none. The opening words were elvish, like the writing on the arch, that seems certain. He stepped up to the rock again, and lightly touched with his staff the silver star in the middle beneath the sign of the anvil. He said in a commanding voice. The silver lines faded, but the blank gray stones did not stir. Many times he repeated these words in different order, or varied them. And he tried other spells, one after another, speaking now faster and louder, now soft and slow. Then he spoke many single words of elvish speech. Nothing happened. The cliff towered into the night, the countless stars were kindled, the wind blew cold, and the doors stood fast. Again Gandalf approached the wall, and lifting up his arms, he spoke in tones of command and rising wrath. Edro! Edro! He cried and struck the rock with his staff. Open! Open! He shouted, and followed it with the same command in every language that had ever been spoken in the west of Middle-earth. Then he threw his staff on the ground and sat down in silence. At that moment, from far off, the wind bore to their listening ears the howling of wolves. Bill the Pony started in fear, and Sam sprang to his side and whispered softly to him. Do not let him run away, said Boromir. It seems we shall need him still if the wolves do not find us. How I hate this foul pool. He stooped and picking up a large stone, he cast it far into the dark water. The stone vanished with a soft slap, but at the same instant there was a swish and a bubble. Great rippling rings formed on the surface out beyond where the stone had fallen, and they moved slowly towards the foot of the cliff. Why did you do that, Boromir? said Frodo. I hate this place too, and I am afraid. I don't know of what, not of wolves, or the dark behind the doors, but of something else. I'm afraid of the pool. Don't disturb it. I wish we could get away, said Mary. Why doesn't Gandalf do something quick, said Pippin. Gandalf took no notice of them. He sat with his head bowed, either in despair or in anxious thought. The mournful howling of the wolves was heard again. The ripples on the water grew and came closer. Some were already lapping on the shore. With the suddenness that started them all, the wizard sprang to his feet. He was laughing. <laughs> I haven't. He cried. Of course, of course. It's absurdly simple. Like most riddles when you see the answer. Picking up his staff, he stood before the rock and said in a clear voice, Melon. 
The star shone out briefly and faded again. Then silently a great doorway was outlined, though not a crack or joint had been visible before. Slowly it divided in the middle and swung outwards inch by inch until both doors lay back against the wall. Through the opening a shadowy stair could be seen climbing steeply up, but beyond the lower steps the darkness was deeper than the night. The company stared in wonder. I was wrong after all, said Gandalf. And Gimli too. Mary of all people was on the right track. The opening word was inscribed on the archway all the time. The translation should have been, say friend, and enter. I had only to speak the elvish word for friend, and the doors opened. Quite simple. But you were simple for a learned law master in these suspicious days. Those were happier times. Now, let us go. It kind of felt like they were doing an escape room there. It is. It is that they were <laughs> just doing an escape room. Looking for hits, looking for puzzle clues, and it's right in front of their face. Pippin, well, what are we going to do? <laughs> Knock your do head against the door, Peregrine took. That made me laugh. There's always that one person in the escape room who's being annoying and not helpful and pointing out the obvious. Oh, God. Um, do you know who... I had a question. Where Narvi is? Uh, all we know is that Narvi was a craftsman, from, like a dwarven craftsman from Noria who built the doors. Hmm. And uh, Celebrimbor worked with him to carve the inscription on it. Okay. And then they finally make it in. What a cool design for the door. Yeah. I mean, just the fact that they have, like, dwarven like, symbols and elven... Yeah, they combine all, all the elven elements together. They have the symbol of Durin, which is a crown above an anvil and hammer. Uh, you mm. have the uh, the tree. What was it? Uh, uh, the, the tree, tree of, of the, the high elves. elves. And, and the uh, star of the house of fucking Feanor. Yeah, the star of Feanor. <laughs> because Celebrimbor was of the House of Feanor, so it was only fitting mm. that they had that in there. And so they're all like, oh, okay, cool. The the door's open. Let's go in. And, <laughs> and as it they looks start to walk creepy in, as fuck. Yeah. Uh, he, as they're walking in, Frodo all of a sudden gets grabbed by something behind. A slimy tentacle Gross. has come out of the water and has Gross. gone straight for him. Uh, luckily, he has friends who are there with swords, and they just start hacking, hacking at the at tentacle. It. Yeah, a little calamari and, for dinner. Oh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't trust that calamari. <laughs> Not for the life of you. Uh, and, speaking of a journey in the dark, just like glancing up at you for the first time after doing our reading, it's very dark <laughs> in your room. The sun has yeah, set. The sun has set where I am. You want to go flip on some lights? There I got we my go. Lamp on. There we go. <laughs> Speaking of journey in the dark. Mm. Uh so that basically they run in and this odd tentacle monster that has no name attacks them and essentially it slams the door shut behind them. Mm -hmm. And in the commotion Bill ran off and everyone basically was forced to run in very quickly. And they hear, like, a landslide happen behind them. And then this part kind of kills me. Sam, clinging to Frodo's arm, collapsed on a step in the black darkness. 
poor old Bill, he said in a choking voice. Poor old Bill. Wolves and snakes, but the snakes were too much for him. I had to choose, Mr. Frodo. I had to come with you. Yeah. That's pretty gay, Sam. That's a little fruity, <laughs> a little fruity. He gave up your favorite animal for someone. It's pretty In gay. a split second, you know where he would go, and he did. Mm -hmm. May may Bill have a safe journey back to Rivendell. Here's hoping. And now and then they... we have that classic dungeon where you the entrance you came in on is now no more. There's no way back. It is you blocked. gotta go forward. You're trapped onwards. There's no way back. To get out, you have to go on. Mm -hmm. And so Gandalf kind of brings light forward with his staff. He's got a little mag light there. And they, Gandalf basically is like, come on, uh, Gimli, stand by me. Uh, we'll lead the company through the dark of Moria. Yeah. Hence the journey in the dark. Mm-hmm. They travel for a little bit, they stop and have a little bit of food, and then continue on. Gandalf estimates uh, they, it would take three or four days of marching to get through Moria. Because uh, he says it cannot be less than 40 miles from west door to east gate in a direct line, and the road may wind much. Poof. That sounds creepy. I'm imagining like a haunted house... Uh, Halloween maze. It's dark and creepy. You don't know yeah. where the end is. You're just you're just going. And where they are currently, oh, first off, it's the idea of going into a place that is wholly abandoned. That basically, yeah. it's just you guys there. It's the same element of have you ever been in like a high school at night, but it's just been yeah, you. It's such and a it's different got that vibe. weird eerie feeling. Oh, Everything's yeah. like dark and dim. Mm -hmm. uh, they start moving through the dark. They come across fissures that have broken open in the stone and they need to jump over it. Sam, of course, saying, gosh, if only I had some rope, which is like <laughs> the first of many times that Sam will say, gosh, if I only mm. had some rope. Yeah, wasn't and... one of the fissures like seven feet wide? Yeah, uh, the widest was big. more than seven feet across, and it was long before Pippin could summon enough courage to leap over the dreadful yeah, gap. Again, Lord. props to you, Pippin. You got small legs, but still, you're jumping seven feet. Yeah, impressive. Uh, and bear in mind, like these are like tight, winding tunnels, uh, because this is where this was essentially only really a mining district for Moria. Most of the dwarves lived on the eastern side of Moria. Mm. And this was kind of more just like it's a really bunch of side worked. passages, a bunch of mines and such. Yeah. And then you have this eerie moment. The company behind him spoke seldom, and then only in hurried whispers. There was no sound, but the sound of their own feet, the dull stump of Gimli's dwarf boots, the heavy tread of Boromir, the light step of Legolas, the soft, scarce-heard patter of hobbit feet, and in the rear, the slow, firm footfalls of Aragorn with his long stride. When they halted for a moment, they heard nothing at all, unless it were occasionally a faint trickle and drip of unseen water. Yet Frodo began to hear, or to imagine that he heard, something else, like the faint fall of soft, 
bare feet. It was never loud enough nor near enough for him to feel certain that he heard it, but once it had started it never stopped while the company was st was moving. But it was not an echo, for when they halted it pattered on for a little all by itself, and then grew still. Ew! They're being followed. Ew! Eventually... Uh, they do get to a, uh, three passages, and Gandalf's like, ah, fuck, I don't remember this spot. <laughs> well, this wasn't on my map. And Sam's just like, poor old Bill. Yeah, he's he's just worried about his fucking pony. But is this where they decide to take a little break? Yeah, they find a uh, a guard, an old guard room, basically, that's just off the side of these three passages. And Gandalf's like, okay, we'll stay here, and I'll try to think about which direction we should go. And in the middle is just a big open hole that goes down right. for nowhere. We, we love a deep pit. And apparently it was originally a well for the guards' use. And it used to be covered by a sto with, with a stone lid, but the lid is broken. So they have to kind of like be really careful about this open OSHA violation just sitting there. <laughs> and then good and old Pippin gives in to his intrusive thoughts. Yeah, and just drops a fucking rock down there, and it just vanishes for, like, so many seconds before finally they hear a plunk from deep below. And Gandalf's like, what the fuck, dude? This is a well, serious okay. journey, not a hobbit walking party. Throw yourself <laughs> in next time, and then you'll be further, uh, no further nuisance. Now be quiet. <sighs> and then another ominous time, another ominous moment, showing that they're not particularly alone. Nothing more was heard for several minutes, but then there came out of the depths faint knocks. Tom tap, tap tom. They stopped, and when the echoes had died away, they were repeated. Tap tom, tom tap, tap tap, tom. They sounded disquietingly like signals of some sort, but after a while the knocking died away and was not heard again. That was the sound of a hammer, or I have never heard one, said Gimli. Yes, said Gandalf. I do not like it. It may have nothing to do with Peregrine's foolish stone, but probably something has been disturbed that would have been better left quiet. Pray, do nothing for the of the kind again. Let us hope we will, shall get some rest without further trouble. You, Pippin, can go on the first watch as a reward, he growled as he rolled himself in his blanket. I just imagine him, like, burritoing himself, just like... <laughs> I love these little instances when Pippin is just being a menace because I could never truly notice the difference between Mary and Pippin in the movies, but they have very distinct personalities in the book. Mm -hmm. Like, and once Pippin you know is they're like in the book, you do actually notice that in the movies they do have mm. more distinct personalities, specifically in the later movies. Okay, another reason to be excited to watch these through again after I read it. Oh yeah, hell yeah. And in person with me, your best Yo, friend. <laughs> my best and only your friend, best friend, Mr. Hollywood. Your best, your best friend, Paul Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> At least though, Gandalf is he just can't sleep and he kind of like gets over his anger at Pippin. Yeah. And he just kinda of is like, Go get go get some rest. I can't sleep. And then he does the whole watch himself. Yeah. For six and hours finally decides which direction they should go. Which was the one that kind of led up, right? Uh, yes. Not uh, the one that went down, not the one that went kind of like just straight at forward. At the same, yeah. 
I do not like the feel of the middle way, and I do not like the smell of the left-hand way. There is a foul air down there, or I am no guide. I shall take the right-hand passage. It is time we began to climb up again. And then they walk for eight hours. As one does, in the dark. As one does. You gotta go on those eight-hour hikes, you know? (laughs) They advance some 15 miles. Mm-hmm. And finally, here's another. Again, a lot of this is going to be me just marveling at the sights of Moria, but here's a, another wonderful <laughs> Very dwarven of you. Uh, Gandalf decides he's going to risk a little light once they enter into this large open chamber, and his, he summons his the light from his staff. He raised his staff, and for a brief instant there was a blaze like a flash of lightning. Great shadows sprang up and fled, and for a second they saw... Oh, gosh, maybe I shouldn't have drank a Baja Blast before this. (laughs) And for a second, they saw a vast roof far above their heads, upheld by many mighty pillars hewn of stone. Before them and on either side stretched a huge empty hall, its black walls polished and smooth as glass, flashed and glittered. Three other entrances they saw, black, dark black arches, one straight before them eastwards and one on either side. Then the light went out. Beautiful. And this is one of the many, many halls. Uh, I believe this is the 21st Hall of Moria. And 21st? 21st. Oh, there are so many halls in Moria. It's oh so my goodness. Big. And even Sam goes, oh, there must have been a lot of dwarves here for some time to make all this. Uh, what did they do it all for? They didn't live in these darksome holes, surely. And Gimli's like, oh, oh, oh. These were not holes. <laughs> <laughs> this is the great realm and city of the Dwaro Delph, and of old it was not darksome, but full of light and splendor, as is remembered in our songs, which I will now sing for you. Song, song, song. A this little, is a good the song little, too. the little sing-along little dot just appears <laughs> at the bottom of the fucking screen. And now, I shall sing. Everyone, join in if you know the words. <laughs> The world was young, the mountains green, no stain yet on the moon was seen. No words were laid on stream or stone when Durin woke and walked alone. He named the nameless hills and dells, he drank from yet untasted wells he stooped and looked in mirror mare and saw a crown of stars appear as gems upon a silver thread above the shadows of his head the world was fair the mountains tall in elder days before the fall of mighty kings in nargo throned and gondolin who now beyond the western seas have passed away the world was fair in day 
A king he was on carven throne in many pillared halls of stone, with golden roof and silver floor and runes of power upon the door, the light of sun and star and moon in shining lamps of crystal hewn, undimmed by cloud or shade of night, there shone forever fair and bright. Their hammer on the anvil smote, Their chisel clove and graver wrote, Their forged was blade and bound was hilt, The delver mined the mason built, Their beryl pearl and opal pale And metal wrought like fish's mail, Buckler and corslet, axe and sword, And shining spears were laid in hold. Unwearied then were Durin's folk, Beneath the mountains music woke. The harpers harped, the minstrels sang, And at the gates the trumpets rang. The world is grey, the mountains old, The forge's fire is ashen cold. No harp is rung, no hammer falls, The darkness dwells in Durin's halls. The shadow lies upon his tomb, In Moria, in Khazad-dum. But still the sunken stars appear In dark and windless mirror mirror There lies his crown in water deep Till Durin wakes again from sleep Ooh, that's a good one. It is. It's my favorite of Tolkien's songs. Ah, that one will go on the greatest the, hits the album. album. Yeah, that, that one's. I'll be like number one on the greatest hits. Uh, what is Miromir? Uh, you'll actually see it next chapter. Miromir is ah. a lake. It's a calm, still lake on the other side of the mountains. So it's and not when... the creepy lake that they just pass by. No, it, okay. it's a natural lake that's been there far longer. Um, and it's got, it's, it's like pure mountain water that is so still, it reflects everything back at you. Mm. And it's a special lake because no, even if it's in the middle of the day, when you look in it, you can see the stars. Whoa. That's real. when Durin looked in it, there is a constellation, I forget what it's called, that Varda made, but it is seven stars. In kind of like an arc. And when Doran looked down into the lake for the first time, before he had even found in Moria when he was just wandering around, he saw the stars above his head like a crown. And the dwarves call those stars Doran's crown, because mm. when you look in the mirror, it looks like you're wearing a crown of stars. And that was kind of almost like a, sig- a signal for him that this was like the nearby caves he would turn those into his great dwarven home for his people. Oh, cool. So that's where his um, 
the emblems of Durin came from was the yeah those uh those seven stars above the anvil with okay. the crown that's the crown of Durin. Cool. I'm I'm and... writing down Varda constellation. Varda, ah, uh, we got a Varda lore like? drop, guys. We yeah. got a Varda lore. <laughs> it's believed that the constellation that Durin sees above his head is the Valakirka, Valakirka, which was to signal the downfall of Morgoth. And apparently now it is known as the Big Dipper. Which, kind of weird if it's placed over his head. I thought it was like seven stars uh, that were across, but I don't know. Or, okay, so it could be that because, but only because we know that Kalakirka has uh, seven stars. Someone else has speculated it could be this thing called, thing called Auriga, called, which is the Northern Crown. Or, no, sorry. Uh, it could have been Auriga or the Northern Crown, because hmm. remember, technically, all the constellations we see in the sky are the constellations that were in Middle Earth as well, because Middle Earth was just Earth a long time ago. Okay, cool. And then there's another theory that it could have been since it's like Miramare is a miraculous event. It could be that they were only a vision that Durin saw ah. and weren't actually a constellation. Wow, a little star talk. Yeah, you know I love star talks. <laughs> uh, and so I do like how Sam's like, "Oh, that's great! I need to learn that one." And I love the idea of Sam just learning songs all the way through their journeys. He's got like yeah. a little song book. He's like, "Oh, let me write that one down." <laughs> a little bit of Bilbo there. But he's like, "Oh, but I, I, it makes everything seem darker now. Are there still piles of?" jewels here and you know, i was like what no orcs have plundered moria so fucking hard like there's nothing of value left what what did the doors want to come back for mithril they wanted to come back for mithril of all the places in the world this was the one place you could get mithril you could get true silver the wealth of moria was not in gold and jewels the toys of the dwarves nor in iron their servant such things they found here, it is true, especially iron, but they did not need to delve for them. All things that they desired could be obtained in traffic, for here alone in all the world was found Moria Silver, or True Silver as some have called it. Mithril is the elvish name. Yo, it sounds so dope. Worth ten times that of gold. And where is it? It's like you could bend it like copper. Yeah, it could be beaten like copper and polished like glass. And the dwarves could make of it a metal, light, and yet harder than tempered steel. Yeah. Its beauty was like to that of common silver, but the beauty of Mithril did not tarnish or grow dim. The elves dearly loved it, and among many uses they made of it Ithildin, or Star Moon, which you saw upon the doors. And then Bilbo had a little... They mention his uh, vestment of mithril rings. Yeah. And uh, Gandalf's like, it's probably just gathering dust in the Matham house of the hobbits. And Gimli's <laughs> like, what? A whole corslet of Moria silver? And Gandalf's like, oh yeah, I never told him, but it was probably worth more than the entire Shire. <laughs> more than the entire Shire. Do you know how much my mind 
Lou when I read that line. <laughs> I had to stop and enough that you had Steph to post in Discord. Room. Enough yeah. that you posted in Discord. Yeah. The it's like yeah, Frodo's just walking around with a hidden under his shirt. <laughs> and like I, I feel the same with Frodo because uh, a friend of mine who was his family was a lot more well off was like, hey, try on uh I think it was like a pair of sneakers essentially. Yeah. I'm like, he's like pretty good, huh? I'm like, oh yeah, no, they're comfortable. He's like, yeah, these are like five hundred dollars. <laughs> and I'm like I had a similar what? in high school when like the student sitting next to me was like, Oh, do you like my jeans? They were two hundred dollars. And I'm like, you just sit on them. They literally go on your ass. <gasps> and and I imagine like your uncle gives you like a nice coat or something. You have a nice coat and you're like, Oh, what a nice coat. Thank you, uncle. I shall wear this. And you've been wearing it for like weeks now. And then you find out that it's actually worth thousands of dollars. It's more than anything else you own. It's worth more than the whole Shire and everything in it. Everything in it, yeah. Wild. I would be so nervous Staggered. He felt staggered to think he had been walking about with the price of the Shire under his jacket. (laughs) Had Bilbo known? He felt no no doubt that Bilbo knew quite well. (laughs) Dang. But at the same time, that causes him to remember Bilbo and Rivendell, and he kind of wishes he'd never heard of Mithril or Moria or the Ring. Or the Ring. And then they go to sleep. And they all then they all go to sleep. He has a another, creepy dream. Another creepy dream. Or it couldn't maybe it wasn't a dream at all. Yeah. A deep silence fell. One by one the others fell asleep. Frodo was on guard. As if there was a, uh, as uh, as if it were a breath that came in through unseen doors out of deep places. Dread came over him. His hands were cold and his brow damp. He listened. All his mind was given to listening and nothing else for two slow hours. But he heard no sound, not even the imagined echo of a footfall. His watch was nearly over when, far off where he guessed the western arch stood, he fancied he could see two pale points of light almost like luminous eyes. He started. His head nodded. I must have nearly fallen asleep on guard, he thought. I was on the edge of a dream. He stood up and rubbed his eyes, and remained standing, peering into the dark, until he was relieved by Legolas. Creepy. And then he wakes up, and Gal goes, Good morning! (laughs) (laughs) Did everyone sleep well? Mm. And they actually see a little sun, right? Yeah, there are uh, shafts above them that let in sunlight from outside. So that's a little, that's a welcoming sight for them. I cannot imagine just marching for days in dim lights. Through caves. No, thank you. The claustrophobia alone. Even though, like, these are, like, big tunnels and such. Like, it probably feels, like, really stuffy and just you need, like, air movement. Yeah, probably, like, damp. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they head uh, out the north door because they see some more light coming from that direction. And as they enter in, they go uh, into a large chamber. Oh, uh, the chamber was lit by a wide shaft high in the farther eastern wall. It slanted upwards, and far above, a small square patch of blue sky could be seen. The light of the shaft fell directly on a table in the middle of the room, a single oblong block about two feet high, upon which was laid a great slab of white stone. 
It looks like a tomb, muttered Frodo, and bent forwards with a curious sense of foreboding to look more closely at it. And they find runes carved, and Gandalf reveals what they mean. Balin, son of Fundin, lord of Moria. He is dead then, said Frodo. I feared it was so. Gimli cast his hood over his face. What a sad freaking ending to this chapter. That was the second yeah. gasp of this chapter. I was like, I I did not see that coming. Yeah. Ugh. Like, we had guessed that, like, things had gone bad for, like, the Moria expedition. To stumble upon us, too. To get the, to get the confirmation in such a, like, blatant and yeah. sudden reasoning. Yeah. Is just, it's very disheartening. And even if you might have had that thought, I'm sure you would carry around just a little bit of hope that, you know, if they had just if they had just vanished without a without a like trace, it would have been like, a oh, how odd. But at least we can get through. And yeah. Yeah. Oof. Good chapter. I like that chapter. chapter. Yeah. A lot happened. Yeah. That was a fun one. Uh, so yes, thanks for uh, everyone joining us in our foray through Moria, though we still have to get through Moria in the yeah. next chapter. We're almost there. We're almost yes. there. Uh, almost there. Don't have too many announcements. Oh, I guess I should tell you guys about our scheduling. Uh, yeah. For the month of May, because I will be focusing a lot on moving, we will only be releasing an episode on the 3rd. And the 17th. And those will be the only two episodes. There will be no episode from May uh, 26th to the 24th when uh, we will release an episode in June. So expect that hiatus. Uh, For those of you who are part of our Patreon, if you're not, go to patreon.com slash (laughs) thesillymerillion. We'd love to have you there. We're finishing Uh, Twilight this month. We're finishing Twilight this month for our movie club. (laughs) And of course, uh, if you have any suggestions about what we should talk about in our bonus pod, feel free to throw that in. Uh, Mm -hmm. There will not be uh, a movie club or a bonus pod for the month of May. And you will not be billed for the month of May because nothing will come out. But we will return in June with a movie. Heck, we could probably find, like, we could probably record those in person if we so wanted. Hey, you're right. We need to get one of those uh, recorders that pick up the just the sound in the room. Yeah. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Something to think about. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I believe that's all the announcements I have. Yeah. I Do you have any? Uh, since May, June, May, no, April may is ren fair if anyone's going to ren fair in may i will likely be going please say hi <laughs> drop by say hi to tori compliment yeah, i will likely be dressed as an elf or bow from critical role so compliment max uh fancy costume <laughs> sloping from the hunchback uh, it's such a depressing so movie yes. oh, but it's such a good movie though Anyway, thank you, everyone, for listening to our podcast. Special thanks, of course, to Evelyn for creating our uh, cover art. As always, special thanks to my friend Jack Hook for composing our intro and outro music. 
And special thanks to all our patrons over on Patreon. Like I said, you can find us at patreon.com slash thesillymerillion. You can find us on Twitter at, the, at sillymerillions on Twitter. Uh, you can also find me at goodlookinggeek on Twitter. And you can find Tori at toriello underscore on Twitter. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll see you next time. Love Goodbye. Do 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 do. Star of the House of Fëanor," said Gandalf. <laughs> and there's Fëanor. Boo! <laughs> <Just> <laughs> Tory from a distance. <laughs> I had to stop myself from being fucking Fëanor. <laughs>